You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. Hey, welcome to the Noise Direction podcast, where people who spend too much time on punk can teach you how to spend too much time on punk. I'm your host. I'm your co-host. Dear friend, Scotty. Tank crimes, yep. and uh, this is the intro where we talk over each other. I'm trying not to, but I thought I was going to yell. I kind of enjoy the talking over, say. though. Um, you can call me DJ Scott now. I just finished my first my first DJ set. That was really only your first one. Over at Gimme Metal. I mean, I one time I DJed this bar in San Francisco, Molotovs, and they had me bring my own turntables, and then they were serving me you like your own turntables. Yeah, fuck yeah, I do. Okay. And then I had a, uh, and then, but then uh, they were serving like 9% beer all night long and I blacked out and then I dropped my turntables on the sidewalk in front of the bar. And then I never DJed again. One of the coolest memories of my life, I DJed uh, at my, my, one of my favorite bars in the world, the Blackheart in London. And then yes. I, I, I like did this set and it was great and it was fun. And then, but I thought, I don't know, I thought I was just doing it because it was like an event. I was like a festival I curated or whatever. And um, then I went back the next day to pick something up, like pick up my buddy's guitar or something. And uh, and the, the bartender was like, hey, yeah, we, I got I got to pay you for last night. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like getting paid for DJing when I didn't think I was going to get paid for DJing. I've never been paid for DJing before. So it was just like this really amazing moment of like, oh, hey, bro, here's your money for DJing. And I was like, oh. Dude, DJs get paid. DJs get paid more than bands, even when they're just playing like band music. Yeah. Right? Even when it's just like, like you don't got to be like headlining. <laughs> yeah. You don't got to be headlining Ibiza to make money DJing, dude. Like bars pay for that shit Dude, you just gotta to show up with your I, I was supposed to dj and i beat this uh last year and you were supposed, supposed to, to dj and Ibiza. yeah because the hard rock hell guys do uh they have like a hard rock hell festival in Ibiza, and i and i'm a dj for them on their radio station it's my black metal show blazing the northern airwaves and um I, I was, and I mostly have the radio show so that I can DJ their events and get a hotel. And I, I, I was like, if I could DJ, like, if I, I want to DJ in Ibiza, like, that is a goal of mine. And I had a chance to do it in 2019, but it was like overlapped with Desert Fest. And I was like, I could do, I could just go next year when it won't overlap with Desert Fest and I can do like, you know, the full each festival and not like two days at one and one day at the other. And it turns out that was a mistake because that was my shot to DJ in Ibiza. Then the world ended. 
Okay, well, speaking of that, you know, Steve Aoki's hardcore band, Esperanza, had a track on a 625 comp, and it had yeah. the best lyrics. Okay, are you ready? It goes, sure. you're a, it was about cops, right? It was an anti-police. For the first time, this podcast is actually about something. <laughs> Just how we start. It goes, it goes, you're a fucking asshole. Who treats people shitty? We're going to spread your body parts all throughout the city. Steve Aoki's hardcore band, Esperanza. That's on uh, Bandana Thrash Volume 2, 625. That's a great name for a comp, Bandana Thrash. Yeah, fuck yeah, it is. It's not a comp, it's a lifestyle. (laughs) I'm still mad we didn't name this podcast. This podcast could be your life. Dude, there was times when I there was times before a show when I was like seriously lacing up like several bandanas. I'm like, oh shit, there's not one around my boot. Oh, one around my slip on. Oh, one on each arm. Ooh, elbow bandana, head bandana, bandana scarf. Dude, one time, uh, hit that bandana scarf is just a neckerchief. Yeah, that band hit me back. Showed up to play a show at Warm Water Cove one time, which is like a beach in San Francisco. And he took off his pants and he made like bandana boxer shorts like that he had his mom like sew up for him. They were so cute. Yo, check it out. I DJed one time, (laughs) believe it or not. Well, actually, I didn't. I was like a co-DJ, believe it or not, at Vakken, the world's biggest metal festival, right? When Municipal Waste played in like 2007 or 2008, earache like... Eric like spends so much of bands money on promotional stuff and it, it really is cool. And it was really cool. Like watching how they do it, like for better or worse, what people have to say about Eric, they'll will spend your fucking money to help make you a fucking legacy band. And uh, they had basically like hooked up that, like we were like DJing an after show, but it was like in one of the tents. Right. So it's like thousands of people in the tent and it was just Ryan and Tony DJing and they had me, they had like a pallet of fucking beers Eric paid for and had them there. And I was just pouring beer bongs from the stage the whole time. And I had to have fucking Phil like hold me in like a bear hug at the barricade because people were like ripping me around and I'm pouring these fucking uh, beer bongs. I poured like several hundred beer bongs for people uh, awesome. at Vakken. Everyone yes. sticking their mouth on the same faucet. Oh, yeah, everybody. And then I had to, like, do them in between to keep the crowd hyped, you know? So. (laughs) Yeah, That's fine, man. Hey, before COVID, I used to eat French fries out of the trash, man. I can't wait to get back to regular (laughs) shit. Like, like definitely. I also definitely think about that. Like, one of the proudest days of my life as an older brother was when I found out my sister, who is very not punk, like, just finished her degree at Barnard, you know? Um... Like, I found out she was dumpster diving for food, and I was like, there we fucking go. Um, Sick. But anyway, so what we were going to talk about today... That's the Noise Direction Podcast. We'll see you next week. Uh, be sure to check out my radio special on Gimme Radio. What if... a uh, Dude... <laughs> you know what's fun about Gimme, Gimme Radio? Gimme Metal? The chat, dude. It goes down in the chat. I was dropping yes, mad trivia. I know. So, okay, so let's just get into this show now, okay? What we're going to talk about... I want to do a okay. commercial what for we're talking about is what we look for <laughs> when we sign bands. I've never signed I, a band. Scotty, so what do you good. look for when you sign bands? What do you want when you sign bands, Scotty? Scotty, tell me. I like 
usually people that I know for like five years or longer, at least like two thirds of the band that I've known for like a hell of a long time. Um, okay. <clears throat> Reel me in, Bacon. Here we go. Okay. Here's something I really like. Something that, something that, uh, now what's fun about today's topic, which Maddie just said is what you would look for in a band that you sign. What's cool is that this is where our two different perspectives really come because people who listen to the show have followed me for a long time. No, I don't really sign bands or take demos, but that doesn't mean, and I only work with friends, but I have plenty of friends that are in bands that I've never asked to do a record together, you know? And so uh, one of the things that I really like is besides like cool people that I can get along with is I like a band that like does stuff. And by that, I mean like, Oh, you know, like the drummer's a DJ and the bass player has a label. And the guitar player is a sound man and the singer has a zine and you know, the keyboardist fucking volunteers at the vegan co-op. And like, I just like people who like are really like kicking in, you know, and this isn't entirely me, but I I'll steal this from one of my mentors, six weeks records. They used to say, we might not sign the band who's headlining the show, but we probably will sign the band that put it on. That's a great And I always thought that was a really cool, that was a really cool thing. I'll never forget when I read that, that was just like in an interview with them. And I thought that was really cool. And I, that sentiment goes a long way with me, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't say that's me, but it's worth bringing mentioning because that kind of stuff really like works for me. Like even, um, some of the smaller bands on tank crimes, like here's something you could like dig into, right? Like I like, if you look at some of the bands that don't sell that many records on tank crimes, you'll probably notice that if you dig in, like several people in the band are like actively moving and shaking things in the scenes behind the scenes, you know? And so, and because I'm a person who does all that stuff, um, just like the laws of attraction, I'm going to find myself hanging out at a show with somebody who helped do something because we have something to, you know, talk about, you know, so that'll help actually build our friendship. So, um, but for me, it's different because I'm not like actively signing bands, you know, I'll think about it for a really long time uh, before, yeah. like before it goes through levels in my brain. But then you, Maddie, you work for labels that are asking you to please find them bands to work with. So your take on this may be more valuable to our average listener. And then I'll give you a bunch of but ifs and then we'll go in a full circle. Yeah. So there's a couple of points. I was actually thinking about this kind of in depth. Um, so today is a special day for me. Because today, the Capra record came out. And Capra is a, a boy band. becomes a man. Mazel tov, Maddie. Capra is a record I signed to a Metal Blade subsidiary I helped run with my friend Chris Santos, who's a celebrity chef. Hey, uh, Byline, congratulations, Maddie, on launching that podcast this week. Thank you. You can plug it real quick. Maddie yes, does a podcast. The Nomads with, uh, podcast, me and Chris Santos, the celebrity chef. So I'm like a zealous celebrity now. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, it's, it's and really now when cool. me and my wife watch chopped, we're like, Oh, is, it, is our boy on it this time? And uh, that's my boy. Yeah. 
and it's really fun. And we have a lot of really good interviews. We interview like Brian Slagle and uh, like Chad Gray from Hell Yeah, which was really fun. And uh, who else was in the first one? Oh, uh, Frank Godla from Metal Injection was one of our first, which like was cool because I've known Frank since I was 18 and Chris has known Frank for a bunch of years. So that was really interesting. But anyway, so I put out this Kappa record today and I was thinking about this. There's really only, in terms of the big boy labels I work with, there's really only been two bands who I've signed to um, to big labels that weren't legacy acts. Because normally what I do, like with Prophecy, you know, or Ripple or whatever, is I sign, or Magnetic Eye, is I like to sign classic rock or, or classic acts, you know, like I signed Zaster, I signed Coven, I signed Arthur Brown, I signed Magnus. Yeah, but I think that might be but, a disservice to the listeners to be like, I oh. signed Wino because he's Wino. Yeah, no, no, but what I'm saying is that's a separate game, right? Yeah. Is like, it's cool that I did that, but that's not like discovering new acts, that's signing Wino because he's Wino, you know? Which I, um. But, what, you know, but I've really only signed a small portion of new acts. Uh, and a lot of those have been in the last year and a half to Blacklight Media. Uh, the other one I signed was Chernobyl to Prophecy. And he, but he was already kind of an established death metal guy to some extent. Um, but what you're looking, what I'm looking for. What are signing, you looking for, Maddie? When I'm signing new acts, now, now that I'm done flexing about uh, signing classic rockers. Is, Did you say um, Arthur Brown? Yeah, right? You knew that, though. Okay, go on. Yeah, I knew that. That's why I re-brought it up, because you'd tell me about it a lot. Well, yeah, because Arthur Brown is the coolest person ever, and I love him, and I want to be friends with him forever, and maybe one day we can do a rap together. Um, but uh, regardless... Um, Yo, I'm, I'm Arthur for... Brown, and I'm here to say I love rapping with Maddie B every day. Um, exactly. So, no, but what I found is... I'm looking for bands who are active on social. They don't necessarily need to be posting every day, but that's a help. Um, you know, but also I'm looking for bands who like, it really does fundamentally come down to the music, right? Like it really does fundamentally come down to, are these songs good? Because the thing is like, it's, it's, fairly easy to write a B level song and it's incredibly hard to write an A minus level song. But then it's not only that because it's also does the band have a good look? You know, do the photos look good? Does this look like a band I'd want to see live? Does the band, I like what you said about the members being active in the community. I think that's important. You know, like one of Capra's guys is a radio DJ, for example. I think that's a big part, but also, you know, because I think there's generally a sense of like, are they plugged in? Yeah, well, it, it tells you, it lets you know that they're in touch with like what's going on. Yeah. They're like right. doing stuff, you know? Because one of the things I think you got to realize when you're, especially when you're signing to a bigger label is like, I know people in every scene in North America. And if you come to me pitching your band, I'm going to know eight people who are going to vouch for you or say you're an asshole. 
And if they say they don't know you, sometimes that's an even bigger red flag. Like if I was like approached by a San Francisco band and then I, and then I texted Scotty like, hey, is this band like cool? And Scotty had never heard of them and they were like a death metal Haven't we done that? Band. Haven't we done that before? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that's concerning. Um, you know, and I think that's a really big piece is like, how connected are you in your scene? You know, because that makes me trust you more. And then also, although this has shifted with COVID, although it's coming back, is like, how much have you toured and how much have you played live? Because it's almost not even a question of like how much they've toured as much as that's a really good barometer for how dedicated they are. Because I have bands like, I've been, in I've, you know, been doing A&R at some pretty acclaimed labels since I was like 20 years old. And, and I had on my own label before that when I was in high school and stuff. So, you know, almost as long as I've been in the scene, I've had people coming up and being like, oh, will you sign me? Like, we'll totally work super hard once we get a deal. And it's yeah, like, no, and I'm not like, I, you're not going to work super hard once you get a deal. You're going to. And to what you said about touring too, like, honestly, it doesn't have to even have been a successful tour. I mean, yeah, it doesn't like, hurt if it's successful tour, but like what you said, like how much did you fucking put yourself out there and how much does uh, to this, does this crew of people believe in what they're doing? Because I'll come along and say, I really like the idea of a self something self-released, but not an album. I wouldn't, I, but this is a whole different episode, but I wouldn't jump into self-releasing an album but if you have a self-released EP and a tour under your belt, you are going to get way more attention than like an album in the can and no touring shows, you know, but that, cause that also shows me like, Oh, well these guys all, you know, put up for a fucking seven inch and took it on the road. That's what yeah. I kind of want from them. And they already did that on their own regard. So if I can step in with, with what I can bring to this team, seeing that they already took some of these steps, whether there was hits or misses along the way is a good sign. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing, right? Is it's like, cause there's definitely people who show up and are like, Oh, well you should come and pay for everything. And I'm like, this is a punk label <laughs> or this is a label that's going to sell 350 units. Well, then that's another thing about knowing the people you're going to work with, because I mean, the, that attitude like is not going to do you very well, but I also find there's people that have either been on really shitty labels or just don't yeah. really know what a label does and are like, it warms my heart when a band is like, Oh shit, we get tapes too. Or like, wow, we got, we're, we're going to do a premiere and shit. Like, some of that humbled enthusiasm is so much more fucking gratifying to work with than like, what's next for us? What did you do for me? And you can find a you can find a, a clear path in the middle to work with a good attitude, you know? Yeah, no. And it's a, yeah. And it's not trying, it's not Scotty and I trying to shirk work. It's more just like motherfuckers gotta, you know, gotta be less, I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, but yeah, like, I so I'll say what Maddie was saying. Who are going to give me a headache. 
yeah. unless they're really famous. But I already right. have really well, famous you, people. You earn that. Yeah, exactly. Like at that point, it's like, oh, okay. Like you got arrested for this, whatever. You are, you know. Um. Uh, back to Maddie's point about, you know, also having good music, which is, I think, a strong one. And uh, it's hard to really like put your finger on what makes good, what makes something good. You know, obviously it's subjective, but no, there's um, one measure of what makes something good. It's how much does it sound like minor threat? For me, I do have kind of a formula here and I've used yeah, it with, uh, with some bands in the past and it's the memorability of the riffs, right? If I see a band and I buy the record and I wake up and I'm humming the riffs the next day and then I put the record on, I'm like, oh, that's the song, fuck yeah. Like, I don't know how to put that in a bottle, but a memorable riff goes a long way when you're trying to get someone interested in like joining the team or bringing you on or investing in your, your art, your career, you know? Yeah, hooks matter. Scotty. Hey, Maddie. Sorry, I thought I lost you. But yes, no, that's hooks, good. Hook, hooks matter. That's big. And I definitely think like people don't understand that component. That like, well, that's certainly not going to go for every genre. I mean, there's certainly people who want like the opposite of that, but I can't speak to it. You know. Um. I will, I can say that personally, I went from this, this kind of touches on last week's podcast about the roster. Um, yeah. I went another like transformation that I did that we didn't talk about last week, but it lends itself to today's discussion is not only did I, after exploring with like, and trying to have an international roster and just and found I liked having a, a more local roster. Um, I actually am finding now that I've done it long enough and have some bands that, that have records that just all that just keep selling fucking thank you all. I love it. But I'm, I kind of shut down my roster a couple years ago and I'm, I'm actually trying to have less bands yeah. on the label. And that I didn't like put the word out like, hey, everybody compete for your spot on the label because I'm trimming it down. It's just kind of organically happening like that. But with all my years of experience, I just know what bands are easier to work with. And I don't mean and that's subjective too, the easiness. Right. But like who do I have to chase down to get like promotional stuff done or like sometimes even bare minimum. Um, and then when everyone's my friend, that's also cool. And like, I'm happy to help. Part of my job is I take a lot of that off the shoulders of the band so they can make music, you know, yeah. but um, to the point of this episode, uh, I'm, been like trimming my roster down because I have a comfortable amount of bands that, work at a good pace work really well with me and and uh for better or worse sell enough records that um 
that sometimes it's not fair. And then this also goes to a smaller label like mine. Sometimes it's not fair to constantly be chasing new bands and trying to find like the next hit when then like the popular bands that are like paying for a lot of the label have like shit going out of print, you know, no room on your print ads. Uh, haven't given them much fucking social media love. Like I've had parts in my career where the bands that are actually paying for everything are getting kind of looked aside because I'm trying to do so much new. And that was kind of a personal lesson I learned is that my focus can't go anywhere so without telling anyone that they were in competition to see who can like keep the attention of the label, um, like some bands just outed themselves as the clear winners and losers when I had to do this as I'm doing it currently. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Like that's definitely part of you know, I always describe it as like a huge chunk of the music industry is like, are you going to aggravate me personally? Yes or no. And if you're going to be aggravating to me, then I'm not going to want to work with you. But if you're going to be cool, then we can do something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's like a big part of it is definitely this element of like, I don't want to deal with you if you suck. You well, know, let's like, get let's get past that. Let's get past that because that's obvious. But what what tell me, Maddie? What would have a band done with the last year? And the a new band would have done in the last year. And maybe you have some specific examples, but I know that you'll know off the top of your head that would have engaged you as a fan and as somebody who is like actively doing A and R and scouting. Um. Anyone because we've seen it done right and wrong. Yeah. So, so anyone tell me what. Any, okay, there's a couple of things. One, anyone who started a TikTok immediately gets a little more love and immediately gets me going like, "Aha, you have a few brain cells to rub together." Right. Just because they started a TikTok, that alone is interesting to me. That means you watch because because then Bacon's like, "Well, they watched my TV show, Bacon's Bits." Well, yeah. So they have my attention. Well, no, but also, like, it tells me, oh, they're, like, actively trying to engage on this exciting new platform that most bands kind of shirk. You know, when I see a band like Holy Death Trio, who Blasco decided to sign to Ripple, and who I actually wanted to sign, and then Todd was like, oh, Blasco got it. And I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, You know, like... Did Did they have a TikTok? Yeah, they have a TikTok and they're killing it and they're doing great. And it's like, motherfuckers like that get it. You know, there's this band Mach 9. They're like a college rock band out of Chicago. I've been helping them a little bit because they're just my homies and like they're my little guys. And like, they're doing a great job too, right? Like, because they're just like, okay, cool. This is the platform we have. The world is fucking ended. Let's go. We're going to fucking put together something interesting, get some eyeballs on what we're doing, yada, yada, yada. You know, so stuff like that is really important to me is like, Or, you know, the other option, like, did you, um, you know, did you do a bunch of live streams? Were you engaging with people? You know, were you pushing yourself on the scene? Were you trying to find like new things you could do? Right? Because it's like, 
if you worked hard, then you worked hard. If you, you know, cause like my whole thing is past behavior dictates future action, right? And it's like, well, the bands whose past behavior is like, oh, hey, we fucking worked with a bunch of people in our scene and put out like a cool compilation 12 inch. That's interesting to me. Whereas the people were like, oh, we can't play shows. So I guess we're fucked. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with you? You know, like the so, second, like you have so little creativity that the second, like the one, the main thing you do is taken away, you're just done. Like, no, that's dumb. You know, like, I just, I want to see people be, I don't want to see people be helpless. Because when people are helpless, that means you're going to do all the work for them. Yeah. And I like, so I don't know, I've, I've still never been on TikTok, um, but, uh, I had ghouls doing some Twitch stuff and like people are, it's like a small, but like feral group of fans watching fucking digester and dissector play video games every Saturday night. And they're like killing it. They're actually making money off that shit too. It's like banned revenue right now for them. And I, they totally did that on their own initiative, which was great. Um, but even like, if it's like, I don't think it's that different when like I started off the thing being like, Oh, I'm kind of interested in the band that has like a zine and a screen printing company. And then yeah, Maddie's exactly. like, I'm interested in the band that has a TikTok. These are cut from the same cloth when you're looking at them as a creative person, you know, yeah. uh, Maddie, this is part of our, our age dynamic is that I can say zine and Maddie can say TikTok. We mean the same thing. It's really just engaging Absolutely. with people that have the same interests as you. Because that's probably who is going to like your shit anyways. So yeah. I like that. I like that, Maddie. I still haven't been on TikTok. What would I do on TikTok? You would just do... Give you. me an like, example. Like, like what, you what could would I literally, do? You could literally just go and take Tank Crimes TV and just make it Tank Crimes TikTok TV. So I don't have to like ha be, make it like a meme or something. I can just no, do my same, just... hey, welcome back to Tank Crimes TV. Here's, I, here's why people don't like black vinyl. And here's why people don't use download cards. Yeah. And then, and then that's it? I just do it? That's it. That's all my bacon spits are. I don't do fucking dances. I don't fucking do nerd shit. Just pure black metal fury all day. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, yeah, so that's what I'm looking for in a band is like, how much action are you taking? And then, of course, as kind of a closing note, and I think this is important, is like, I do want to know your past sales and I do want to know how you've done, you know, especially if I'm trying to like give you a big advance. Like I kind of want to know I'm down to give advances obviously, but I want to make sure that I'm not like, especially if I'm playing with someone else's money and I'm like, Hey, we should give these guys $20,000. You, you know, what's crazy like, is how many bands don't, don't know what their sales are. Yeah, and that's insane. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, I have someone on the label right now that's been on, like, two of the big five metal labels and never, ever got sales updates, even during, like, first week. And it and was like, wow, this is so cool to, like, know how my record's doing. It's like, wow. But that's the thing, you know? Um, also, you can't lie about this shit because record labels talk to each other. That's the other thing about your sales. You might not know them, but also you can't exaggerate them by a hundred percent either. 
But that's why yeah. I like seeing the self-release because I would be thoroughly impressed if a band did a 300 press of a seven inch and went out on a DIY tour and moved them. Yeah. That's sign there. That's signable fucking band. That, right that's how you For know. Sure. Yeah. That's For how you sure. know like, Oh, these motherfuckers, they don't fuck around. Like that's how you know this is a real band. So yeah, don't get caught up in the numbers. If Maddie's talking about a $20,000 advance and you say, Oh shit, we sold 200 tapes, 200 tapes might, it might be getting you close if you did it on your own. You know, because they we want to know what we can what we can jump on board with. How fast is this ship going? Because we would like to add another sale to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that 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 basically is it, right? Is it's just like how fast is this ship going? You know, and what's the story here? And if you can communicate that, if you can communicate like, oh, this is what we're doing. This is what makes us special. You know, that's when you start to get somewhere, but you have to kind of tell us. And once again, I think we're probably, it's probably about wrap up time, huh, Maddie? It is wrap up time. Yes. I would like to remind people what I, I always try to remind because I know when you're like trying to take on a bunch of advice, it can feel heavy. And like I try to say in most episodes, you don't have to do all this yourself. You have a band, you, you delegate responsibilities. And here's the thing. There's also people outside of the band that you can ask for help friends and stuff like that. And partnerships up as you go. So you can make a list of what needs to be done and figure out who can shoulder each little part to make sure that it's a well-oiled machine moving forward. Not sitting there with a flat tire with one guy trying to do everything while everyone else sits in the van on their phone, right? Yeah. Although, unfortunately, frequently it is one guy doing everything and everyone else sitting in the van on their phone. But the band dad. We're going to talk about how to deal with that. Next how do week. we, how do I, how do we through, okay, how do we do some P. Diddy type thing on noise direction? where we find all the band dads in their different small communities that could never find one person fucking willing to lift a finger besides playing guitar with them. And we put these band dads across the country together into one band dad super group. Okay. But do they have riffs? Tune in. This has been the Noise Direction podcast. With DJ Scott. Now, DJ Scott out. We'll catch you next week. (laughs) Peace. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.